Wolverine. Hello, welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of the Examination Podcast, where we dive right into the Marvel comics that we know and love. This week, we only have two issues of Dawn of X to discuss, and we're really excited to jump into them. We hope you guys had a great holiday. This week, I'm joined by Dane Rainier. Hey, guys. And Kelsey Strutz. Happy New Year. Yeah, man, it really is. Uh, we took a week off for Christmas. So did Marvel as far as the X-Men comics went. And that will transition us right into a Cerebro segment. Let's talk Incoming. Came out last week during Christmas. Luckily, we had no Dawn of X books, but still a little X-Men affiliated stuff. How do you guys feel about a comic like Incoming that uh, Marvel does? Marvel does this occasionally. They did it with the you know, Marvel 1000, they've done it all the way back to like 0.1 issues where they get a ton of artists and writers and they tease out their stuff. Do you guys enjoy this kind of book? What does it do for you? I have never purchased one. Um, <laughs> I kind of get the premise. I, I think it would hold more sway, you know, done in the nineties, like a pre-internet era, but, um, no, it doesn't get me excited as much. I mean, I think I think if I were younger, I would care more, but uh, I just don't. Yeah, I, I'll say I don't hate it as long as it's kind of, I guess, honest about what it is. And I think Kelsey's right. It's sort of like the toy magazine. Yeah. It's, you know, like, yeah, we, like when you're young, it's fun to look through that because like you could want anything in it. But it feels like now, just with a limited amount of time, I know what I want and what I'm going to read. And there's the I, internet out there. Yeah, I can, it's just so much easier to to find that or to have access to figuring that kind of stuff out. I kind of equate it to I Amazon sort of ruined me from a shopping perspective. You know what I mean? Like you don't go into a store thinking like, oh, I wonder what I'll find or if there will be a, you know something cool because it's like. You could just click it on your phone and it's yours. And I think the same kind of thing applies that it's just it's less and less relevant for what it is. Well, and I'll say that you brought the Christmas catalog comparison that teases the toys you're going to get. You didn't pay for that. J.C. Penney's, you know, foot the bill or Sears foot the bill and gave that to you for free so that you'd come buy their stuff later on. Yeah. Yeah. And you are having to pay for this. Now, I will say it's. It's a hefty book. I'm I'm not all the way through it yet because it's like 90 something pages of a comic. So I get the sense that with that much material, you've got, you know, you have to pay people for that. You know what I mean? Artists aren't drawing that stuff for free, but it is a, a hefty price tag for what's ultimately kind of a, a toy catalog. Well, 2019's wrapping up, but arguably the biggest Marvel story 2019 was that little snippet that we had the Scorsese comments and I I didn't really get that comment very well like and I couldn't apply it to the comic book world until I saw incoming and I was like this is what Scorsese sees Marvel movies as yeah that's true that's true by the way it's just a tease (laughs) I I was gonna say did you see the kind of follow-up on that what his daughter did with his Christmas presents yeah that she uh, wrapped everything in Marvel you're kidding. Wrapping me. paper? No, no, no. Yeah, his, his daughter wrapped all of his presents in Marvel wrapping paper. <laughs> That's hilarious. What a troll. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> what a troll. Yeah. 
Um, all in good fun, and uh, you know, Scorsese makes good movies. So does Marvel. So we all win. But I, I thought that was a cool lens look at that through. Uh, either way, we had a few pages, uh, a short story involving Mister Sinister. Dan, you want to kind of give us a summary of that real quick? Oh, I'll be honest, I haven't gotten to that part yet. Like I said, it's oh, yeah. it's a hefty book. Well, spoilers ahead. Oh, uh, Sinister gets the people of Krakoa cable and not a full subscription package. He gets it where they can get it a la carte from Mojo World. So he goes and like fights uh, Mojo and all his forces and gets them to have an a la carte pay for what you want model this for their cable in Krakoa. Joke, right? This is this is for real. So what do we think Wait, that's actually like? Like I think that's I think it's funny because we talked about that a little bit, but I, I think oh, it's I, funny. It's it's a neat geez. story. That's the funny part. Yeah. That's like them because the X Men of all the stories is the least associated with anything. It really has nothing to do with the rest of the story, which kind of like rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, man, why couldn't we put this in an X book um, as a tease of like a future story? but for the customers and rewarding them for buying their comics instead of throwing it in this $10 book and putting a, a paywall on it. But it's similar to like, it feels in a little ways like the annuals, you know what I mean? Like some of those are yeah. just funny stories. Like, yeah, there's a Christmas one for, yeah, there was a Christmas one last year. The primary story I think was centered around Jubilee, but it was like two pages of, you know, what the X-Men were doing during the holidays. Basically, they all got a mini story with Jubilee's thing as like a, a through line. And it was fun. Like, it, it didn't have to be more than what it was. It was a fun holiday issue. And that kind of feels like what maybe this could have been. But instead, yeah. it's like if, if you were an X-Men fan and you paid $10 to get the, you know, few pages that were X-Men relevant, and then you're like, oh, mine was just a joke. Yeah, unassociated joke. It does tease at the end. He um, teases that he's collecting sinister, always scheming, always doing his thing is collecting genetic material. And Professor X made it very clear that you're not allowed to clone anybody. And sinister implies that he's going to make those chimeras. I feel like it's kind of a thing that he's kind of hinting at that later on, he's going to make those combination people. So he's not technically cloning. He's creating a new being with other people's DNA. Well, and he, it teases that he's trying to find Franklin Richards as like the final piece. But you, you got to think that <sighs> chances are that they're going to do that chimera thing regardless. Um, because my guess is eventually they will, <sighs> they'll lose their resurrection machine somehow. I mean, I, I, I think that might be coming down the line. At some point. Well, I thought it's a few years. Who who, who knows? Yeah, I think how, to how me the do you, get to, do you get to have control over the story arc? You know, so. But. Yeah, I I think these fun things like when you talk Marauders, one of the funnest parts was you know the joke of Kitty's or sorry Kate smuggling in like potato chips or whatever. Like it's stupid. It's funny. It like is enjoyable. It makes it human. Those are the things I like about the X Men, and this was a very X Men kind of. You know, those two pages. Would I, I ever? I got us on like a ten minute rant about the best barbecue too. <laughs> it, did. it really yeah. did. And whiskeys. Which, but, uh, 
which brief interjection was starting, but I was in Memphis over the holidays and I had central barbecue. And I think that was better than rendezvous too. Sorry, Kelsey. Did you go back to rendezvous to try it again? I, I didn't No, I'm, I'm just, okay. I'm just comparing okay. it. To maybe, central, maybe if you you're in science, we're just stating really, opinions blindly. Really? You should have brought back samples for everybody. And we could have all compared and yeah. had a whole sub podcast on that. That is exactly well. What it should have been. There were samples from ever for everybody in incoming. No matter what you liked, you got a little bit of everything. Ten dollar paywall steep. Hopefully, they collect this with the dawn of X books. Though is all I'm saying in the future. I feel like uh, if you talk value for your purchase, if you're an X Men fan, this is not a good value for your purchase. But you're also going to miss something. I would be willing to bet the price of incoming that those pages don't get collected anywhere but in incoming. You think so? Even yeah. though it's a part of the X-Men? What if it, there's an event that comes out of this? You don't think they'll throw it in there? Mm, I mean, maybe, but I... Or maybe as a tease, and if they collect um, the X-Men Fantastic Four crossover, maybe they could collect it with that. I mean, it might. I might. It might, but I, I don't expect that it will. Just the the style of how that comic was collected doesn't make me think it's going to. Yeah, well, we'll see. You might be right. Uh, transitioning, we love to talk Marvel movies here. Uh, that's kind of what reinvigorated a lot of people's interest in the comic books. Uh, the movies, Doctor Strange, I think, what is it called? The Multiverse of Madness? Madness Doctor yeah. Strange 2? Multiverse of Madness. So it's been confirmed, I think, a while ago that Scarlet Witch will be in the movie. Uh, I think Kevin Feige just announced that there's a new character coming into the story that's been on their board of people they want to use for a long time. And it came up that it was like the perfect fit for them. So it's going to see you talk, Dr. Strange, you talk multiverse and then craziness and madness. What characters come to mind for you guys? Anybody stand out? I've seen a couple of like theories and things, but I think what's kind of important to think about too, is that if that's true, if what he's saying is true, that it's somebody they've had on the board for a while, that kind of limits a lot like you know i mean i think some people have been like oh it might be a a tease for getting some of the new properties back in but if if it's somebody who's truly been on the board for a while i don't think they've been obviously discussing x-men or fantastic four any of that kind of stuff yeah uh, so although kind of, importantly fox and marvel have made deals to get like um get characters over like famously they had the living planet um, swapped over the Guardians in exchange for um, the Deadpool character. I can't remember her name. What's it, his girl, his little know. girl that he hangs out with? Megasonic Teenage Warhead. Oh, Megaton? Or, or yeah, Megasonic Warhead. Megasonic Teenage Warhead. Yeah. So they, they have made deals. So they, it's somebody they could have like wanted to trade for for a while. Why? Would, I'd say anything's uh, open. But why I'm would, I'm going why would Deadpool not already have... Negasonic teenage. That was the deal. That that's hundred percent. Basically, Deadpool wanted to use that character to say the silly name, and Marvel said, "We'll do that, but we want to get Ego the Living Planet back from you." And they made a straight trade for those two characters. Yeah, they probably huh. thought, Ego the Living Planet. I mean, I, okay. I don't understand though why either side would have either of those. It, it was straight up a thing where it had the they uh, had to get permission from the other one to do it, so they just did a straight trade Eagle, for those Eagle two characters. Was part of Fantastic Four's kind of stuff. They had a lot of the Galactic. Um, Galactic okay, that may be true. I think that they had a bunch of that stuff. And I don't know what Teenage Warhead why she fell under Marvel's well, privy, well, 
but apparently they couldn't use her. I think it might have been because she was made after a certain point. Yeah, it would be my guess. Hmm. Because she is so, an X-Men. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll it would have been a date thing. Yeah, well, let's get back to that question. What do you guys think? Is there a character that you'd like to see in a Doctor Strange movie who fits that realm well, like well or so- storyline uh, well? Either Doctor either. Doom came to mind for me because of the famous Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom storyline. Oh, um, yeah, but he's such a Fantastic Four person. Um, but if you're going to do him, I feel like you need to pull him away from Fantastic Four to make him stand out more. He also bring in the Shadow King. But he's already been done in the in the TV series in Legion, so yeah. But I, guess well, I don't think that's Marvel canon, it. though. Yeah. Um. I mean, who who's the bad guy supposed to be anyway in, in that movie? Have oh, we, we don't know. Yeah, I don't think we know a lot about the movie except for the fact. I think there's that... a chance of a ghostwriter. I know Hulu was developing a ghostwriter show and it got nixed. Hmm, that's an interesting. I I hope that's. I hope it's not what it is. I'm not a huge Ghostwriter fan, but I don't know. It's yeah. it's interesting to think about. I don't really have anything. Agents of Shield did did a good job with that with, with the property, oh. yeah. With Ghostwriter, Jason yeah. Aaron uh, has done a lot of cool stuff with him in the Avengers book. If you like Ghostwriter, check that out. And if you don't like Ghostwriter, check it out because it might change your mind. Doom Doom would be a really uh, fun addition. To that though, I, you know, I'll say this as well. Maybe this is just fan, you know, fanboying, but you could potentially be looking at an introduction of Wiccan somehow here too, with his ties, you know, magical ties. They've hinted in comics that he is a the future sorcerer supreme. You know, you're looking at well, Scarlet movies. Witch being a big part of the movie too. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And you've yeah. got different, you know, multiverses and the uh, Kieran Gillen run of young avengers has them traversing the multiverse to the use of miss america and it's no um you know it's no surprise that they are looking to set up uh young avengers here in the future so yeah i'll make that my official hopeful guess yep all right dr doom ghost rider and uh wiccan that's what we're hedging our bets on hopefully uh we get to see something cool come out of that uh, so let's go ahead and use this to transition to our question. What other gifts might we get this year? Um, Christmas tree. You guys have any cool Marvel stuff? Uh, only, the uh, I got, uh, house of X and powers of 10. Oh, you nice did the hardback? do what? Yeah, it was a hardback. It was really nice. Oh, nice. Like, that, that's yeah. a really cool gift. What a gift. Somebody must really like you. Yeah. Yeah pretty cool person pretty much i mean i guess we should probably let people know that quentin bought us the hardcover house of x and powers of 10 so thank you thank you papa christmas i'm a benevolent host what can i say he's a good guy he's a good guy i didn't get anything marvel related i got my kids some marvel related stuff but oh what'd you get them oh oh they got a couple action figures uh a hulk captain america Spider-Man. I know Hulk's hey. pretty popular in your household. It I was going to say, you uh, kiddos love Hulk. A, a Venom with a spinning tongue and a Prowler. My gosh, they made out like bandits. Mm-hmm. Prowler, Ooh. hot toy. Would have never thought that. That was like a deep pool from the cartoon whenever I was a little kid. Dude, yeah. 
Yeah. A Prowler. I had, I had one from the 90s cartoon, the Prowler from the 90s cartoon, that action figure. I remember it. And Parenthood comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Dan? What was under your tree? Uh, I came up with a couple cool t-shirts, a uh, kind of a basic Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters shirt. I got a cool... You guys saw it last week. Dated. The, uh, the dated. Set we, yeah. What? Dated. dated At school, yeah. it's, it's dated, man. What's that? No, but the uh, the sweet Miami Vice uh, Cyclops t-shirt. I did like that one. Oh, I love that shirt. I can't, I'm honestly surprised I ever took it off. Um, and then... I did get uh, some of the uh, new X Men comics collected, uh, so it's a you know a big trade paperback. The uh, like Rock Slide team and Dust and those people. So, so I assume you have a wish list you send to your family based on that deep pool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just have an Amazon wish list that has had a bunch of stuff, comics and other things, but. So that way, yeah, it's it's not just random. <laughs> yeah, because if your parents just randomly knew, or your wife just randomly knew, you know, he's missing New X Men Volume Three. I, I would have been you very know, surprised. Know, my, my wife would have the ability to figure it out. She she has my bookshelf, but she makes fun of me for the organization on it anyway. So I don't think she's ever looked at it to even try and imagine what was missing or what wasn't. Nice. But well, I, I, w- I will say it's kind of funny that you, you mentioned parents and family buying comics because a few years ago, one of the things on my list was a uh, a saga book. And I don't know if, if you're listening and you've read saga, you know, that some of the contents is less than child friendly or yeah, that you'd want your parents podcast. Yeah, that you wouldn't want your parents or grandparents to see. And I realized mm-hmm. my grandmother bought it and I was just praying to God she left it in the box. You know what I mean, that it was like, Did please don't for some through? reason, like flip. Th- yeah, just like thumb through. It. Like, oh, I wonder what my grandson's interested in. I'm like, just keep that book shut. Nice. So as far as I know, she's never brought it up. So I think it I'm, also I think came I'm with clear. a Bible. <laughs> Unrelated, I'm sure. But <laughs> well, uh, the only thing under my tree this year, but it's pretty awesome, was the there's a Mjolnir shaped coffee mug. It's like nice and big and it's got. The symbol, the runes, and it's got the inscription about being worthy in Thor. Uh, my sister got that for me, so Olivia might take the cake this year. Santa Claus didn't do as well. Yeah, and that's a big mug, too. It is a big yeah, mug. Yeah, man, it's nice and square. I, I constantly want to throw it down on the ground like Thor does in uh, the movie. <laughs> and, I'm like, you know when he throws that mug on the ground? And I get excited. I have to, like, catch myself and be like, you can't do that. Don't do that. It'll shatter. You need a nice like rubber floor or something to just make sure it bounces. <laughs> um, not Marvel affiliated, but I will say to get Batman Shadows Edition, the Telltale games, um, that was really fun. I played through those and burnt through those real fast. That the I haven't played the second one, but I've played the first one. Well, you know that, Quentin. You played it with me that weekend, but yeah, um, oh, I, it's a great game. All the Telltales that I've played have been fantastic. So I'm glad to hear that 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 uh the second one continues that do you know what's sad about that i played with you and i'm pretty sure i disliked my save file my storyline when i played through it the second time because i overthought everything and i was like oh what did i actually pick and then i picked the wrong thing (laughs) yeah those games will do that especially if you've seen it played or done it before yeah start to overthink it but let's quit playing games let's get into this week's issue as we go to the human mutant summit and discuss x-men number four 
Dane, why don't you give us a quick recap of X-Men number four? All right. Xavier, Magneto, Apocalypse, Cyclops, and Gorgon attend a sort of global economy summit, but they're clad in fancy suits. Uh, and there's other representatives from different countries. Our mutant group foils an attack organized by one of the representatives, all while enjoying a fine steak dinner and calmly laying out their plan to fight humanity, not with violence, but instead with complete financial, legal, and media domination. Yeah, uh, it definitely set a presentation for how the mutants are going to handle the humans from now on, the same way that humans deal with them. What do you think of that parallel? It was an interesting story take. Um, reading it, it it kind of emphasizes everything that we felt, at least you know that I felt about Hox Pox and Dawn of X, is that it's like, this is fun and new and interesting, but man, if every time it doesn't just test whether I like what's happening. Because everything they're saying, it's like, this is villain talk. This is classic villainy that, you know, you're espousing your evil plan because you know there's nothing that can be done about it. And so I guess in that sense, it's really succeeding in what it is because it's always keeping me uncomfortable with who the X-Men are. And I, I don't know that I like it, but the fact that it's invoking something, I think, means that it's doing its job. Yeah, I mean, I I think it would work better if, it was, if there was something to contrast it against. You know I mean, what I mean? Like, there was another group that made, like, it... It kind of makes you feel hopeless, but I'm into it. I like it. I'm I'm definitely on the if it's a hundred point scale. I'm definitely above the fifty percent mark. I'm liking it, but it it does make you feel like wouldn't some X Men have a problem with this whole stance? Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe some, maybe they're keeping it. You know, like that. Not all X Men see this version of it. You know, what I mean, this is a pretty yeah. tight council. Hmm. Um. Let's get to the important part, Kelsey. Who wore it better? Fashion was a big part of this issue. Apocalypse I don't know who designed what for who and who they were wearing, but Apocalypse which who wore it the best? For the shock factor. Apocalypse for the shock factor. Dude, well, he one, looked one, so good. The custom tailoring they would have had to do for a guy that big, who he could have shrunk himself down, mind you. <laughs> he chose not to. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they made them tailor him at that size. Yeah, dude, I think he wore his best. I think Magneto I, tried a little too hard with the white suit. Yeah, he, I was about he to say, what do you think about Magneto in the all white? You know, it was trying too hard. I think I think Apocalypse went with the minimalist, and I think he got the rocks designer and made it work. I mean, I, I, mean, I will. Who's who's uh who's the ogen, the owner of Virgin, uh, uh, Virgin Mobile and all that kind of stuff? I don't know his name, Austin? but I know that blonde-haired guy you're talking about. Um, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name either. Stop my head. Well, but... either way, that was Magneto. Oh, I can. Yeah, I can see that. I can see I, that. I will say, Apocalypse in a lot of ways in the suit reminds me of my brother, because he's always like the biggest guy in the room, and because he's now transitioned into a more professional oh, life, you do see him in yeah, suits Richard more Branson. often. Richard Branson, not Branson. Branson. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah no, he does remind your brother a little bit. Yeah, it, the apocalypse thing, and with like the bald head too, everything about it that he's always like twice as big as the next biggest person, but in this, you know, nice suit. Yeah. Um, apocalypse wore it well. He, you know, all his dialogue fit. What'd you think of the 
my name is Apocalypse uh, line. I was really hoping he'd do that and not throw that A thing at him from Excalibur that they've been doing. Well, he did make sure to mention my other names are unfit for you to speak. This is true. So they yeah. did remind you. They, they haven't forgotten. That name's still there. That's true. Yeah. They didn't mention that one. They mentioned In Saba Nur. It was almost like unintentionally, maybe it felt like they were making fun of the name. <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting. They just don't, they don't bring it up with any level of consistency. He, he was, cause they could have easily gone if they wanted to acknowledge the continuation would have been like my, my family calls me this, but you can call me apocalypse. Like instead he was like, I have other names, but not for you. It does feel like one of the writers at one point was like, I'm not putting that in my book. Yeah. And Hickman was like, okay, you have to at least make mention that another name exists. And he's like, I'm not putting that name. I'm not I'm not putting that weird symbol in my book. Do you understand me? Well, it's Hickman's book, though. I know, I know. Maybe that's the point. Maybe he got Excalibur and he was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they... Uh, one of those leaders brought his own strike team to kill the X-Men. Did you guys Ooh, find that too predictable? Did you find it? St- what did you think of that? Uh, I thought it was like, a little bit ballsy to do at a uh, like a little summit in the in in the in Switzerland. Yeah, you know, I, I think it was ever concern. Like I was never worried. Yeah, and I think that was the whole tone of this issue, though. Is it like the X-Men were 100% in charge? Because that's kind of the tone of this individual issue, because at the same time, it's the tone that I think Krakoa and the mutants are trying to put out to the rest of the world. Well, especially, and- you know, after after the first X-Force win, it felt like, oh, no, you know, this they, they really are a lot more touchable. And the fact that they, in this one, as Dane mentioned, you know, they make sure to show we we are in charge. You didn't kill me, even though they did, but they don't know that. Um, right. Basically, saying it's like, oh yeah, there there is nothing you can do. I mean, it, it's the same with Magneto eating the steak while he's talking to him. No one else is eating, but he's eating. It, no care in the world because it's it's such a he's such a believer in in the inevitability of mutant kind supplanting humanity now. And it shows the humans not only not only the guy who was planning this individually, like hey, that was nothing to us. We took care of it, you know, without ever lifting a finger. But it also says to the other humans at the summit, we knew what was going on before you did. So it's a sense of like, yeah, we'll deal with the hostilities and everything. But isn't the bigger issue that like we know how you guys are operating more than you do? Yeah. I, it made me also be more scared of Zeno. Like these being like pushovers made me more yeah. scared of like the X Force guys because they even said like we've already been attacked and like it's like you don't nobody knows that Professor X like legit died. Like they got close. Yeah. Like they tested some weaknesses and found them. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, I, th- I think it pushes the story forward. It, it worked for me. Um, last thing I had was Magneto and Professor X's monologue. Uh, Dane, did either of those stick out to you as being like ones we'll remember, or did they just service this issue? I thought it was a, a weird take, the Xavier ones particularly, for yeah. a couple of reasons. Number one, I guess from just the the text of it, like, okay, so the dream isn't dead? Yeah, so what's going on? Yeah, that was a little... 
wishy-washy. It was just jarring. And I don't mind it because part of it, the way that I read it, it was sort of like, okay, I I get what he's saying. And it's nice that it's it's at least acknowledging that this is still Xavier, that he was saying, you know, look, I can't change who I am. Like, that's always going to be a part of me. So in some ways it was kind of refreshing that it's just like, okay, at least I know I'm dealing with like the same guy with such a dramatic turn. But also they've made such a big deal out of how the dream is dead. It's like, why are you kind of like letting this bit hang around and from the perspective of a storyteller? And then the other thing that got me, you know, again, kind of off topic and uh, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of a past inconsistency is that he took the helmet off for the first time that we've seen. And it, yeah. is, it is Xavier, like Charles Xavier. It's not him as X from what happened in the previous astonishing X-Men run where he took over Phantom X's body, which means like, as far as I can tell, Hickman just said, screw that. Like, I'm not even going to address it. Just ignore that it happened. Well, he can have one of his lesser writers hand wave it away to Moira McTaggart issue or something. I mean, I guess, but, but like at this point we know nothing about that. And nobody, nobody else seems particularly surprised that Xavier is back. Because that was the big reveal in that Astonishing X-Men is it like, hey, we have this Xavier back. And I know we've talked about like maybe, you know, this has all been super well thought out and we're going to get, you know, the big reveal explaining it. But the further and further we go down the line without acknowledging it, it seems like Hickman just said, no, 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 I'm going to tell the story I want to tell. Which to, well, to, have we not been saying that, Dane? I feel no, like that has been no, very have, clear that he is not worried about what happened before him. It just, I'm fine with even like full, well, I'm not fine with it, but I can understand where if he wants to take the reins and make his mark, even re-retconning stuff that came pretty recently before. But man, some it's like, it, even in the story, it takes you out of it for a second because why are none of these people that know Xavier, his friends, his children, like, hey, when did you come back? Okay, so here's the two compromises I think were pretty clear. One, recent continuity, I think Hickman took, and I think part of his costume choices and everything about that was trying to show that he's taking the X-Men you know from all throughout history, and he doesn't care when, where. He's getting the most iconic kind of look and feel for people he can. You've got Archangel for Angel. You've got Wolverine in his brown costume. You've got time periods don't matter. He's going with an iconic X-Men look. And then the other thing is, I think if you're not one of the strong voices that he has, he he's not too focused on trying to get your character exactly right. No, I I agree with that. It, what it feels like is there was like a meeting when they decided they were going to bring Hickman in and they sat him down and they're like, hey, here's our continuity team. We want to bring you up to speed, you know, like where all these characters are at right now for your story. And he was like, fire them. And Marvel's like, what? And he's like, I don't need them. And yeah. I'm just going to use this character from here and this character from there. And anything that I don't like, if you guys want to explain it away in some later issue or whatever, fine, whatever. But I'm just going to go and do this. And I I think you have to have some I think in some ways that can work. I think it just gives me pause when the characterization of characters isn't there. Right. Like I can let go of, you know, you're just going to ignore recent continuity because you need to start somewhere. It takes but, me yeah. out of the but moment also, for a little bit. But the, how much how much continuity do you need to follow? 
I mean, at least some, you know, what I mean? like, like this, like, I don't know if somebody were to ask me right now as a comic book reader, oh, I, you know, I read, but then I quit for a couple of years and came back. Like, how is Xavier back? I'd say, I don't know. And I mean, and- to me, the question is more like, why is the dream, like, the dream being dead's a big thing. Like, why is Cyclops finally following it? Like, he I, I'm indoctrinated people. Because this is a new timeline, certain things didn't happen. So you're still under the... I'm still you're still holding on to that. We're not I'm watching still, the Marvel Universe. Yeah, because I'm still thinking, you know, same idea. It's like, well, why, why aren't we talking about Cyclops, you know, blasting the professor? I mean, why, why is this not a contentious issue? You mean back in... Avengers were yes. I mean that that's 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 as far back as I go as far as like what what you know when I was still reading that stuff. So I mean I'm under the it's in my opinion, I think a lot of these characters we saw the resurrection that was like publicly unveiled, mm-hmm. but I think Professor X has plucked people when he wants them and, and has used his mental abilities. Like I think there's a good chance that like people are being heavily brain controlled by Professor X. I think that's going to be a twist later on that he has influenced people to a larger degree than we know. I, th- you might be right. And maybe that is like the big thing that's going to come like the big sort of hand wave retcon. But it, for that to make sense, not only does he have to have changed the people to be who he wants them to be, he would then have to then individually modify every single person that knows that person for it not to be strange yeah, you know what i mean like i'm saying the timeline got messed up you can't just pull a gene out and say it's new gene because everyone else would be okay why is gene different sort of thing so at this point if if there is going to be a big hand wave retcon i almost feel like kelsey has to be right but i also just don't trust that that's going to happen as much as i enjoy these stories it does seem like there was just a firm flag planted by hickman where he said i don't care what happened I'm just going to write the X-Men. You know who else doesn't really care what happened? Kate Pride, because she's sailing her own ship and taking her own way. Let's go ahead and put these X-Men issues in the bag. We'll be talking about these throughout Don of X, throughout these X-Men runs. Um, but Marauders, how did you guys feel about this issue? Kelsey, can you tell us what happened in this week's issue of Marauders, number five? Uh, Yeah, it starts out with Iceman on a submarine uh, with Christian Frost helping him out with global warming by refreezing the poles. Because, you know, mouthing people for messing up the environment while I also just throw powers at it, that seems very, you know, very... Gotta solve your problems. Yeah, that... It just... You're really thinking about the future when it's like, yeah, I'm gonna also do this and, you know, artificially keep this in check. But it's cool. It's cool. I got it. Anyways, um, Christian Frost offers him a job, I guess, kind of a business offer to come up aboard his ship, um, which Iceman rejects and returns uh, to the Hellfire Club. Well, Hellfire Trading Company, I guess. Um, then they're working out a couple kind of where to send the ships, I guess, the fleet. Because there's how many how many ships are in, in the Hellfire Trading Company now? How many the main working i have no clue i think there's several at least three because i think each of the colors and then like a secret one or something they talk anyway um kate and emma bond and there seems to be a lot of um oh 
weird. We, I, I mean, comic wise, Kate and Emma never had a thing, if I recall right. They had a rivalry, if anything. Exactly. Yeah, now absolutely. See, they have like this weird t- sexual tension between them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Is that what you got out of it? I mean, a, a little bit, yeah. Is that where your mind wanted to go, or where? No, it, it just seems like this weird <laughs> behavior. No, I, I don't. Um, I don't disagree. They're they're putting a lot of trust into each other, and, um, and it's very intimate between them. That doesn't necessarily mean sexually intimate, and, but and, I think and, that. Well, Kate is like drinking a heavy amount now. Well, I, I just I just don't recall it being in her character before. But I guess sounds like what before was Kitty Pride. <laughs> Kelsey's saying is that Kate and Emma need to score romance fantasy points. I I don't necessarily think you're off base, Kelsey. And I will say, Kate, um, Emma pecks Kate in this issue. And I think there was no way that would have happened before. I'm not saying that's not earned because Emma put a lot of trust in the Kate and gave her a position in the company and stuff. And like, you know, bought Kate's loyalty to a degree. That's true. Um, to, to continue on, um, they kind of have, they're going to go off into their separate directions to take care of business, uh, heading out to Madripoor. Well, Shinobi is sent off to Madripoor, which turns out to be some type of trap. Um, and the rest of the, the Hellfire, well, the Marauders end up going to try and take care of it where they are then attacked by mystery racists mm. and but they are they are sent by the i, I can't i can never vivendi what's the, what's the name of the, yeah yeah anyway the uh kid hellfire club you know spoil brat hellfire club uh which if we looked at our memo this week from the x desk they they sort of allude that this trap is is going to happen that something's coming, and that they apparently the X desk has an in somehow with Krakoa has a kind of pal on the inside that they would be be able to warn that something big is coming their way, which kind of changes the way we view the X desk now. Yes, yeah, they're not enemies. Well, yeah, they're they they're, they're observing. Be, yeah, they haven't seemed to be enemies throughout. I I think they 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 they're seeing what's going on basically. Like they're not necessarily like your your good friends, but they're just they're not necessarily out to to for your destruction either. I I like to think this is like a good reflective moment. This X desk thing, We're talking about the whole Kakoa Nation as a whole. I like to think if I were a human today, like I'm not a mutant. And I was in the Marvel Universe. How would I feel about this? Just like, the whole thing? Like, I, I guess I would just be like, not my business, not my problem. Like, which is bad, because I kind of have that viewpoint about other countries. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm a teacher. I try to help my community. And I'm just like, man, I don't have enough to give. Like, I don't get paid enough. I don't have enough things to like, like, I give them my community. How do you think you would feel about Krakoa? Would you be like, wanting the... I don't know, like, sin, like, would you be like, yeah, I'm going to donate my money to get people safe passage to Kakoa Gates to go live in a paradise and party all the time? 
Well, I don't know if the outside world knows how much. <laughs> yeah, how much partying is going on? How much partying is going on? Maybe that's hidden, like the Xavier death. But you know, you're you're right to an extent because if you think about just the idea of a new country forming, like if a new country got formed today, I think I'd be like, oh wow, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, but but if it's on the other side of the world, like fifteen nuclear bombs at least, right. Right, that's yeah. that's what I was going to say, is that it's like, if somebody just said, okay, there's a new country in Europe, I'd be like, interesting, like, you know, where are those people coming from? What country is losing territory for that sort of thing? Like, that yeah. might interest me. I'd read a news article on it. But when it's a group of people, all of which have the ability, well, not all, you know, some have pretty worthless powers, but yeah, dozens of them have the ability to, like, change the infrastructure of the world or to be, like you said, nuclear bombs, like... Oh, I think that would catch forget, my attention. Don't forget, too, they've been generationally abused by possibly your own people. In your right, and they're coming out with a not, <laughs> uh, not aggressive message. Well, here's the storyline. 14-year-old, like, what, what if this happens? 14-year-old um, mutant, not, a, not of age, decides they want to go to Krakoa, but they live in a perfectly nice home where their parents love them. But they're, you know... 15, 14, you go through a rebellious period. What do you do? As a country, as the U.S. country? Because, okay, Krakoa extended citizenship to... I'm just saying, if Kate Pride shows up at my house because a 15-year-old text messaged her that she wants to go to Krakoa and it was my daughter, like, what do you do? You would say no. <laughs> I just think it's an. I mean, I would like, love oh, to see the element. I, you don't get to just leave at this time. No, I, it's like I get it. When you're 18, you can make that decision. Um, and your U.S. law would be on your side, but theoretically, could the kid then take it to the UN if Krakow was a member of that? And then, well, but I mean, like law? they obviously, but if Russia says you can't go, the government backed them up and saying that you know it's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, that is an interesting story, too. But I think that matters less about the government and political intervention and more the the family and, yeah, moral decision there. Like, when your parents say, you can't go. Also, don't forget how freaky it would be. Going back to a nation gets created, let's say it's got a dozen nuclear weapons has a history of being abused, so therefore has a bone to pick. Oh, yeah, and has been planting portal gates in everyone's country. Yeah, that. I would think yeah, that would be weird. On sovereign territory, basically going, oh, yeah, no, that's that's all. We're just going to put this. I'm going to put this invasive species. There's one in Nebraska. That we know psychically dampens people on your your house here. There's one in Nebraska, though. It's like, you know, you don't think the U.S. government at a certain point is going to go, oh, no, you can't put that here. That's not okay. You can't just open a door that you can be moving in and out as you please without our knowledge. That's not I mean, I suppose that's part of the, I, I suspect they know, like they're not secretly putting portals in places. I but imagine still, they know where they're at. I mean, I mean th- that's a, that's a blatant border issue where it's like, well, they no. showed in house of X number one, all those different people, Colossus, Kitty, all these people went different places and planted plants. Yeah. Hey man, if you want that drug, you're gonna have to listen to some rules. Well, but but then I'm like, would we, like I don't know. It's just interesting. I've been watching Black Mirror. It's making me question things, guys. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I did I did want to take a step and discuss the the Kate and Emma thing though. Oh, it's not okay. entirely out of nowhere because I, when I look at it, I think back to 
Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. Cause Emma's a big. I don't know if that's hated each other, didn't they? Like there yeah. was a respect at a certain point. Exactly. That's the point. I think. But I think that bond. I think this is the growth of that, though. Is that that in some ways is the start of it? You know, it doesn't start as a friendship, obviously, but a sh- a strong connection of some sort between those characters. And well, I guess I agree. I just always thought of it as like there's a mutual respect, like. I like certain people I work with, but I would not hang out with them. And they are completely different or were completely different. I guess Kate's become more Emma like in this series. I think you have to remember Emma at her core, a really important thing about her that I think gets lost a lot of times is she's a teacher and she has students. And I think in a lot of ways, even though she wasn't maybe officially on the role, she saw Kate as a student that she really admired. Somebody that she sees, you know, some of the strength that she sees in herself, but a lot of the morality maybe that she doesn't, which I think makes her like her even more. And so, so you're she's thinking like Kate graduated in Emma's mind and that's the difference and that she yeah. quit treating her like a kid. Yeah. I think part of it was seeing that Kate was in every situation really willing to stand up to Emma is one of the things that's always really endeared her de- endeared. That's made Emma like Kate. Maybe that's the best way to phrase that. And she's watched her grow up and only get stronger and take on, you know, more positions of leadership that she led the X-Men. You know what I mean? So I, I think, I think this yeah, has been a, the stones to stay at the altar with Colossus man of her dreams. Just saying the stones or the, the metal, the steel, the techno organic or the, <laughs> organic steel compound. But I just, I think, I don't think this is out of nowhere. I think this is a relationship that has had seeds now, maybe it's, you know, it's not the direction that you may have thought it would have gone, but I don't, th- you know, to make the argument as much as we have about issues of continuity and what's going on in character relationships and everything, this is one that doesn't seem out of nowhere to me. I think this is a a, a relationship that has grown over a long time in comics. My problem is fair. when people tell a story like this, this whole Kate Pride thing with any story that has Kitty in it, it's just a phase. With everything with her? Yeah, she's constantly phasing. Oh my god. How did I not fall? <laughs> oh my god. Oh. I almost I almost engaged you in a discussion there. <laughs> yeah, man. You're um, a monster. <laughs> any closing thoughts on uh, Marauders? We like it this issue? No, no, I have nothing else that oh. I'm I'm done. I'm-, I'm excited for Mad Report. These villains look generic. I want more piratey villains, just so we're clear. Because Madripoor is like the pirate town. Yeah, the I would like a Madripoor tie-in more. Because you're right; those, oh, the, those villains at the end look rough, man. Like, you mean how it's awesome just like, they're gonna be? Maybe they're like established, like they're like classic villains or something. But I, I man, I want to see more boat stuff. Like, I like that they were on boats here. I, I don't know if I like the X Men as much as I like the boats. The boats are a big deal to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for the Hooded Justice, it looks like, in this one. <laughs> With a hobgoblin sword. Yeah. I did like the cool Kate boat phase maneuver, though. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. What if it's, she, like... It's no space bullet, but, you know. Yeah. Well, that, that's why she could do it. Right. You know, once you've done the space bullet, you can handle yeah, anything seems good. miniature yacht. I didn't know how to feel about Storm stabbing that dude in the eye, by the way. One last thing. How'd you guys feel about Storm just oh, like... I get? I just get tired of everyone having power dampening stuff. I mean, 
really now that I know everyone's got it, I I, I feel like the X Men and Krakoa are far less of a threat. Well, but it seems like only Russia does. They even mentioned that Russia gave them that. Yeah, but I, I think it's well. The, it's just the prevalency of that coming around. I mean, it, it, come, it happens in almost every comic. We're all just like, don't worry, we got this power damper. Don't worry, we got this thing we wear to uh, protect ourselves from Hort- horticulture. Had the the plant. Yeah, the bazooka wow. in New, in New Mutants. There was that bazooka. Yeah, the power damper. That's true. Bazooka. It, That's true. Good it does seem like it's the new psychic blocker. You know what I mean? Like, there's either some yeah. kind of tech or hell. I'm pretty sure. They mentioned it. The only thing that um, Phantomex uses it's like ceramic plates in his helmet and his like his mask. And it's like, is that really all it takes at this point? Is like clay? Yeah, yeah. Just put your head in a toilet bowl and you'll be fine. <laughs> you don't even have to completely submerge. Just a couple of plates around the top. Yeah, cyanic well, dampening clay. Nice. Well, Marauders was fun as always. Um, who wins the week? X Men getting back on track, getting another Hickman issue, or Marauders with a more, um, you know, it, it is the type of Marauders story we liked. Which one uh, went the best for you guys? Uh, I thought X Men was better this this week. If if I'm comparing them week to week, I did too. Yeah, yeah uh, I think I did too. And it's not that Marauders did anything wrong per no, se. It's I just thought that, yeah. X Men was new. X Men was, was interesting. It was new. It was a good balance too. That it wasn't just all that political. Like there was some some action going on too, which was a nice. Uh, it kept the pace moving in an otherwise I think kind of traditionally styled comic. A lot of three by three panel pages. Would I be wrong to say that Apocalypse's suit won the week? Yes, I think we've got a name for the title this episode let's get into the danger room this week as we play marvel 20 questions prepare ourselves to deal with any of those threats out there to the mutant race Uh, the rules are simple. They have 20 guesses to figure out who the person, place, or thing from Marvel Comics is. And this week is no different. To get us started, ask away. Is it a character? Yes. Hmm. Is it a man? Yes. Took him long to answer that. Do they have powers? Yes. Are they strongly affiliated with the X-Men? Um. No. All right, so they have powers not affiliated with the X-Men. Are their powers... To be clear, just want to be clear, not strongly affiliated with the X-Men. Are their powers psionic in nature? No. Are they a villain? 
Um, yes. Are they associated with space? No. Hmm. Uh, would you consider them to have like a, a be a top tier as far as power is concerned? Um. Top tier as far as power is concerned. Can you elaborate more? Sure. Um, oh, sinister and up. <laughs> um. Yeah. Just remember that comic books are fluid things. Thank you. Are they strongly associated? with a specific country. Um No, I would say no. Okay. Okay. Have they have they been featured in the comics we've been reading for this podcast? Yeah, they have at some point been featured in the comics that we've been reading for this podcast. Okay. I mean featured's a strong word, but oh, okay. So villain with powers. That's ten questions. Male. Yeah, well, he hesitated on that for a while. He did. It's a... You asked if he was a man, and I said yes. Right. I know, it's comics. Things are... Fluid. You know, it's... It reminded me of the dupe question. He was like, yes? Villain, he has... Uh, you asked if he has been as powerful as Mr. Sinister, and he has. Right. Not space associated, not associated with the country. That's, yeah, strongly associated. Sure. Kelsey, what are you thinking? We're at the halfway mark here. Oh, hell. Um... I feel like it's time to regroup in stratagems. He's been in the comics that we've read. Process. Were they at any point in either of the two issues we read for today? Yes. Okay. Has Christian Frost been a villain and does he have powers? Well, so here's the thing. Yes, he does. I only know that because I looked it up today. But that was kind of a okay. surprise sort of thing. You want to ask if they use swords? Oh, you think like Gorgon? That's where I'm leaning. Gorgon is a villain. He's, he's a villain. Powerful. I wouldn't say he's necessarily strongly associated with the X-Men. He's not strongly uh, associated with the country, but he is from Japan, if I recall. Right. Was he a leader of the Hand? I think so. Has he ever been associated with the Hand? Is that a question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's Gorgon. Did he wear a fly-ass suit this week? Well, it's all relative, right? But I would say yes. 
<laughs> Does he? Did he wear sunglasses? Um, I believe so. He has to, or he'll mess him up with his eyes, man. Mess you up? Well, yeah. If I, uh, are they? Are they routinely why, depicted? Why are we wasting? Why are we wasting swords? Why do you? What are you doing? Yes. Just, just guess. Just, is it Gorgon? Is it a captain? It of a... <laughs> yeah. All right, there we go. Nice. That was Nightcrawler. No, just kidding. Oh. Uh, sword wielding Gorgon. Uh, I first read him in Wolverine: Enemy of State, a good comic uh, where he took over Hydra and the Hand and united That's them. Right. There we go. That's right. Oh, that is right. So, I mean, like, is he as big as Mister Sinister? I would say yeah, so. Like, that's a pretty you, big move. You forget, you yeah, forget yeah, yeah. How like powerful he is. Yeah, I mean, he wrecked. He's also, I didn't, you guys couldn't do your traditional ask if he's an Avenger because he was a Dark Avenger. Dude, that would throw you off. Which <laughs> which one was he? Which Dark Avenger was he? Uh, he was in the Dark Avenger squad um, following. Oh. Like, there was a second group of Dark Avengers after okay. um, Fear Itself. Okay. He It was, like, with the son of Hulk, Scar, or whatever. Yeah. I don't really know who else is in there. I liked I liked Fear itself, but I didn't I didn't keep following after that. Quentin Quentin loves Fear itself. Shut up. (laughs) No, I mean I I, I'm not a hater on anything I'll say, but like I think there are. I liked I liked when they first revealed the Dark Avengers, when it was you know brand new that golden age after Civil War. Like Civil yeah. War, Secret Invasion, like for me, that was like a lot of the best comics at yeah. that time. There was a lot of good stuff in that range. Although, as I I mentioned to you, Quentin, when we were talking, that I got to reread Messiah Complex and Second Coming over the break. And, oh, man, I I don't know of anything I love more than those two. But see, that's the same time, though, isn't it? it? Is. Cause it also, is. Utopia yeah. is a good part of that in the middle. I, I do love the Utopia era. Dark Avengers um, versus X-Men was good. So, yeah, that was a really strong um, era in the comic books. That just about wraps it up for this week. Uh, our guys were able to survive the Danger Room. If you want to text or email any of your Danger Room suggestions, go ahead and email us at q.examination at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we're out. Peace. Later. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.blogspot.com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, Help us grow the community by giving us an Omega-level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.